thank you very much, Les, for that uh, powerful illustration of uh, God. And I was getting a bit concerned as to whether you were actually going to have, have us pull the, the tug of war and uh, pulling you on the rope. Let's look to God in prayer. Thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity to be together in this way and to hear from your word. We pray for the anointing and the power of your spirit upon us. Through Christ we pray. Amen. This morning we begin a six-part series of sermons on the Psalms. And the Psalms that we will look at in this series will provide for us a time of refreshment and renewal in our spiritual lives as we continue to walk with God, to be renewed in faith and in hope and love through this encounter with the specific psalms that we look at. And then another project that we decided to do for us to work on together is to memorize Psalm 8. It's a fairly short psalm of uh, nine verses and invite all the persons in the congregation from the youngest to the 90-year-old persons to memorize this psalm, Psalm 8, from the New International Version. And to make it easy for you, we have a card that you will receive or have received in your, in your church mailbox, and I'll have some additional cards if you want uh, one for yourself, uh, for your very own I have some additional, a whole stack up here that I'll distribute uh, at the end of the service. So we'll work on memorizing this together and have various ways then of responding together with this psalm. Today we'll look at Psalm 63. Next Sunday the sermon will be on Psalm 65. And then we'll look at the following psalms in the month of August of Psalm 51, 102, 72, and Psalm 107, and as you already heard, July 26th, the last Sunday of this month, uh, we'll have a special focus relating to Mennonite World Conference, and we'll have a number of guests from Mennonite World Conference, at least 18 guests coming from various places in the world, 18 guests coming by bus to uh, uh, be here as our guests as part of Mennonite World Conference. So this morning, Psalm 63 from your pew Bible, page 568, looking at this passage. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. Anna 
my wife and I had the opportunity to spend, it was a very special privilege to spend a month in Israel uh, at Tantur Ecumenical Institute, which is located on the edge of Jerusalem on the way to Bethlehem. We, along with a number of other participants, about 25 of us, from all around the world, spent our time touring and also studying the land of Israel, which some persons refer to as the fifth gospel, because it does such an empowerment to help one understand the other gospels, to help one understand the scriptures. And one day, we boarded the bus for the one and one half hour trip from Jerusalem all the way to the town of Beersheba, which is located in the southern part of Israel and is in the desert. And because our because the country of Israel is close to the equator and the sun is exceedingly hot and bright, and also because we were going to the desert, Father Tom, our leader, encouraged us to start drinking water even before we got to the location. We needed to start drinking water as soon as we boarded the bus because he was concerned about the being in this intensely dry environment in the desert. We we're going to be leaving the bus and going to be out in the heat into the desert. And our bodies would become dehydrated if we waited to start taking in water until we were there in the situation and until we would become thirsty. Yes, it was barren. And yes, it was indeed hot and dry. We were reminded of the story in the book of Genesis, the story of Abraham and Sarah, where Abraham brought Sarah's slave Hagar and her son Ishmael away from home. And then he gave to Hagar, the mother of Ishmael, some bread and water and sent them into the desert at Beersheba. And on our tour bus, as we discussed this story, we wondered, particularly as we felt the intensity of the heat, we wondered what it would have been like to be in the place of that mother, Hagar of Ishmael. And certainly an infant would not survive for long in this desert without water. And as the scriptures tell the story, Hagar burst into tears. She became aware of her plight and the fact that her son would die. And the Lord rescued her by providing a well of water. Now, the psalmist in Psalm 63, like an exhausted and like a desperate wanderer in the desert who needs water, the psalmist comes to God. David is seeking and longing for God. And there are other places in the Psalms where the psalmist, David, 
is seeking and longing for God and thirsting for God. In Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2, As a deer longs for the streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? And also Psalm 143, verse 6, I lift up my hands to you in prayer. I thirst for you as a parched land thirsts for rain. Some of the psalms have superscriptions over them, which indicate how the psalm is to be used. Or perhaps it gives directions uh, as to the musical parts and how it is to be sung. And uh, some of these songs were sung by the psalms were sung by the pilgrims as they traveled to the, the temple in Jerusalem. And the superscription for this psalm, Psalm 63, attributes this psalm to David when he was in the Judean wilderness. And so perhaps David himself is thirsty as he is writing this psalm. And as we see, it is God who is the one who satisfies our thirst. We spend a lot of time, we spend a lot of energy seeking and working for things that do not completely satisfy. And what we need, what we need, my sisters and brothers, to quench our spiritual thirst is to be in the presence of God and to be nourished by God, to quench our spiritual thirst in the presence of God and worshiping and serving together with the people of God. More about that a bit later. It was St. Augustine of Hippo, an early church father and doctor, writes in his confessions this well-known statement. He says, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and your heart is restless until it rests in you. And you may want to uh, jot down the answers to the notes or just take your own notes uh, the and uh, in the in the bulletin, you can find that on the message notes. And so this is one of the answers to the question: Is our heart is restless? That's the second one. And our heart is restless until it rests in you. Esther Augsburger is an artist who is involved and was involved in setting up art conferences, particularly for Christians in various places in the world. Esther and her husband, Myron, have traveled to India and to Asia and Eastern Europe to to hold those kind of conferences as they work together as a couple. And one of those assemblies was in Budapest, Hungary. And while it was in Hungary, it still attracted a number of Romanian artists and the Romanians who came to this, this time, this conference, this assembly, brought along Livia, the curator of the National Art Gallery in the city of Clue. And even though they brought her along, even though she was not a Christian. And for the first part of the conference, 
Livia was on the fringes. She was critical and also somewhat obnoxious. But Esther kept reaching out to her and kept relating to her and invited her to help prepare for, for an exhibit for the public at the end of this conference time. And late at night, while Esther and Livia were walking back from working on the, the art assembly, while walking back to their lodging, Livia suddenly said to Esther, I'm so wicked, I can't come to God. My husband and I are having a terrible time. I'm so wicked, I can't come to God. And Esther responded, Livia, you don't need to come to God. God has already come to you. All you need to do, Livia, is to say yes to Jesus. And Livia looked at her in some surprise and asked, Do you mean that? Yes, Esther said. All you need to do is to say yes to Jesus. It was two days later, and Esther was finishing up the, the assembly event, the conference for these artists, and she was leading the closing session. And as she was leading the closing session, she felt nudged by the Spirit to invite others to speak. And she said, some of you may like to share what has happened to you during this conference. And Livia was immediately out of her seat, and she hurried to the front, and she said, I just want to tell you that I am saying yes to Jesus. And the crowd was joyous and very, very supportive. And it was a year later, a year later, Myron is back to the same area and is preaching at the Baptist church in her city. And Livia was sitting in the front of the pulpit paying rapt attention. Livia had discovered that the living water is Jesus, and it was Livia then who was being nourished and being fed by the scriptures and being fed as she continued to relate to the people of God in her city of Clue. The prophet Isaiah emphasized pointedly to Israel that it is only in God where their thirst can be assuaged, where the prophet says in this pointed message in Isaiah 55, verses 1 to 3, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you that have no money, come and buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. The prophet stressed here, the prophet Isaiah also, in addition to the psalmist, the prophet Isaiah is stressing that it is in God where our thirst is quenched. It is in God where we find the rich food that really nourishes us. Only in God we can find our strength and sustenance. As commentator Ivan Friesen points out, and this will be on the screen, 
As commentator Ivan Friedman points out, the worship of idols includes, among other things, Babylonian civil religion, the bread of the empire, as Brueggemann calls it. This bread stands in contrast to the bread and the abundance of the Lord's offer. The prophet, I, the prophet Jeremiah also proclaims, O hope of Israel, O Lord, all who forsake you shall be put to shame. Those who turn away from you shall be recorded in the underworld, for they have forsaken the fountain of the living water, the Lord. They have forsaken the fountain of the living water. It is God, it is Jesus who is the fountain of living water. The living water who completely satisfies our thirst. Paul Turnier was a Christian psychiatrist who lived in Switzerland and was a significant for significant witness for Christ. And many persons have been blessed by Paul Turnier's books. And Gerald Mann heard Turnier speak of his experience of being a freshman at the University of Venice. Um, and on the first day in one class, the professor asked whether any Christian was present in the classroom. So Turnier raised his hand, and when he looked around, he realized that he was the only one with his hand up. And the professor responded and said, you are a Christian, and I want you to go to your room and write an essay on why you are a Christian, and then I want you to bring it to my office. So this young Turnier went to his room. He sat at his desk trying to write an essay on why he was a Christian. And finally, he scrapped his paper. In those days, you wrote longhand, and he scrapped his paper, and he scrapped what he had written. And he started again, and this time, he simply wrote an essay telling his experience, telling about his walk with Christ, his walk with Jesus. And so he took it to the professor. And the man sat quietly while he was reading this and had his head bowed over the paper. And when he looked up with wet eyes, he said to Turnier, I too am a Christian. And Turnier asked, and when did this happen? Just now, when I was reading your paper, replied the professor. As the professor read about Turnier's walk with Jesus, he recognized that his longing, his need for intimacy, his need to belong, his need for meaning in life would be met as he related to Jesus. The psalmist in verse 2 says, I have seen you in the sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Brueggemann and Bellinger say, it is in the sanctuary as a place of divine presence that the speaker's thirst can be fulfilled and life nurtured. 
It is in this body of Christ, in the body, in the sanctuary, where our life can be lived out in the kingdom, where we can live, as Jesus says, to strive for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We cannot, sisters and brothers, we cannot do this alone. The psalmist says, experiences, he experiences the power and the glory of God while at worship, while he's with the people at worship. I was reminded about, also about the prophet Isaiah in the temple at worship, and he saw the Lord on the throne high and lifted up, as the writer says. And the writer goes on to say, in Isaiah was in worship, that it was in the year that King Uzziah died, a time of national calamity, similar to the time when President Kennedy was assassinated, for those of you who are old enough to remember that event, and also, more recently, similar to the time that the Twin Towers were struck on September 11, 2001. It was in those times, in the year that King Uzziah died, where the prophet had his vision in the midst of the people of God. So God is present and active in our world. And we need to look for God to see where God is at work in our lives and in the lives of others. Some time ago, I heard about adult, or young adults who were invited to have God sightings. I'm not sure whether this was an event, but to find where God is at work and then report back to on these God sightings. But I would suggest it's not only our youth and our young adults who need to be looking for God sightings, finding God sightings, also for all of us to experience where God is at work and to see where God is at work. At the Mennonite Church USA convention, which ended last Sunday, the delegates had the privilege of hearing Alex Awad, who was the president of Bethlehem Bible College, and he addressed the delegate assembly. And Alex was born in Jerusalem in 1946. Two years later, during the Arab-Israel War, his father was killed and his family became refugees. The family then, this Palestinian family, then fled to East Jerusalem, where Alex and his brothers attended a boarding school. And while a student at the school, he received a health kit each time at Christmas. And he was so appreciative of these important items that were sent to him from America. And it was only later, when he was the school principal, that he discovered that these items came from Mennonite Central Committee and the Mennonites in America. And Alex expressed then to the delegates his deep gratitude for the way that God worked in the ministry of MCC as MCC, Mennonite Central Committee, met the needs of the Palestinian students, including himself. In verse 3, the psalmist expresses the fact that God's love is better than life. 
Brueggemann, and Bellinger state, this confession suggests that divine loyalty is a deeper reality than the wilderness experiences and the opposition of evildoers. The first five verses make it clear that the sanctuary and the worshiping community are essential to the fullness of life that only God's steadfast love can bring. I think you would agree with me that David's life had some very, very difficult moments and challenges. After his adultery with Bathsheba and then the subsequent murder of Uriah, there was continuing violence in the, David's family. And David, the psalmist, and now here expresses that God's love and righteousness are the source of life. And with these resources, all can experience the presence of God. God's love and righteousness are the source of life. And all with these resources can experience the presence of God. So in the wilderness experiences of life, the thirst for God is a form of prayer. Dan Schrock, who has been a pastor, has written a book entitled The Dark Night, The Dark Night of the Soul. And Dan suggests that our thirst for God during this dark night is indeed a kind of prayer. He says, our desire for God, even if we do not verbalize it, is one of the most faithful expressions of prayer known to humanity. Our intense passion for God elevates God to the highest priority. The psalmist says in verse 4, I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands and call on your name. James Waltner says, living in the certainty of steadfast love, even in a time of spiritual drought, allows praise of God with one's lips and hands. The psalmist talks about worshiping in the sanctuary. But notice it's not only worship in the sanctuary, because David says, I commune with God during the watches of the night. I'm reflecting on God. So it's not only that we need a corporate time of prayer and praise and worship that satisfies the deep longings of our heart, but also part of the spiritual rhythm is contemplation and centering ourselves around the word of God each day. The psalmist says, when I think of you in my bed and meditate on the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I sing for joy. The psalmist experiences the presence of God, not only with God's people, but also communing with God one to one in that daily rhythm. Pondering, reflecting on where we have seen perhaps at the end of the day, reflecting on how we have experienced God and pondering on where we have seen God at work, how we have 
been blessed by and nourished by God, reflecting back over the day, or taking time in the morning and having devotional time, reflecting also being nourished by the Word of God. I meet monthly with a spiritual director, and one of the questions that I need to respond to, my spiritual director asks, is about this devotional time with God. How do I experience coming to the water of life? And then also, how can I keep work on having an intellectual faith move to more of a passionate, heart-filled faith? How can I do that in my daily encounter with God? Livia thought she was too wicked. She thought she was too evil to come to God. She thought she was too evil to come to Christ, the living water. But, sisters and brothers, to slake our thirst for God, we need to follow the example of Livia and to say yes to Jesus and what all that means in each day of our lives. May we continue to come to Jesus and accept this living water to satisfy the thirst and the restlessness of our souls. Amen.